You know, I am so thankful for my car. I love my car. Yep. Mm. And I'm thankful for Twinkies. I love Twinkies. Yep. And I'm thankful for TiVo. That changed my life. Yep. And I'm thankful that I don't live in a third world country. Boo. Yep. Thankful for my gym membership. I mean, look at me. Yep. What do you think about art? I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross for my sins so I wouldn't have to spend eternity in hell. That's about it. I was, I was gonna say that. I just didn't know we were talking about spiritual stuff. Yep. So one of the interesting things about being a pastor is being able to determine what each sermon series is going to be. Last week, we finished up an eight-week series on the Protestant Reformation, which was really packed with history and theology. And I heard many good comments about the series, just people finding it very helpful to learn about Catholicism, learning about what happened through the centuries and the Reformation and how that continues to impact us today. It, it was a very helpful series, even for me. I really enjoyed learning about that history, learning about the theology. And it was very refreshing to have my eyes open in fresh ways about the glory of what Christ has done for us, about how we can confidently enter God's presence through grace and faith, rather than feeling the need to work hard to earn God's favor, but still fearing that there will be further punishment after we die. So it really highlighted the glory of the gospel. It was a great series in, in my mind, and I think many others would agree. But a series has a starting point and it has an ending point. And so the question was, what comes next? Because November 5th is coming. What will the next series be? And so I began to think and pray about it, and I realized, okay, it's November. I began to think about, well, Thanksgiving. I mean, and we know what Thanksgiving is about. It's a day where you eat a whole lot of food, turkey and dressing and, and pies and stuff. It's a day of spending time with family. It's a day of watching football, perhaps. Shopping might be a significant part of your day because it's Black Friday Eve. And also mixed in there is some giving thanks for, uh, for the various blessings that you have in your life. And so I began to think about Thanksgiving, but I also began to think about how Thanksgiving needs to be more than just a day. I mean, it's cool that America sets aside a day each November to give thanks. But from a Christian perspective, Thanksgiving needs to be much more than just one day. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances. This means that Thanksgiving is not merely a day or an occasional activity. It's to be an entire lifestyle. And so for the next four weeks, we are going to be looking not merely at Thanksgiving, but at Thanksgiving in terms of cultivating an entire lifestyle of gratitude. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. There are many different places that we could turn in Scripture to learn about giving thanks. But I think the Psalms are a great place to turn. The Psalms are basically ancient Israel's hymn book. It's a collection of 150 different prayers and songs that still has a lot of relevance for us today. Many people find the Psalms to be very inspiring. 
very refreshing, very insightful. And the Psalms are a great place to learn about gratitude. Now, before we dig into Psalm 100 for the day, I want to offer a definition of thanksgiving. It's a new word. I had to build it into the dictionary of my computer because it didn't recognize it. So here's a working definition of thanksgiving, which we'll really will be developing through the course of this series. So thanksgiving is a lifestyle characterized by gratitude. That's what it is. It's a lifestyle characterized by gratitude. It's kind of like Thanksgiving, but all the time. So it's a lifestyle characterized by gratitude. Let me pray for us and we'll dive into Thanksgiving through the eyes of Psalm 100. Our Father, we come to you this morning thankful that we can come to you. We saw earlier and we will see in a few minutes that Psalm 100 says that we are to enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Lord, we thank you that you created us. We thank you that when humanity rebelled against you, that you sent Jesus to die on our behalf. We thank you that even though our world is broken and we still experience a lot of the, just the negative ramifications of sin in our lives and we see it all around the world, we thank you, Lord, that you will one day redeem everything that's taking place, that you will make the wrongs right, that you will bring justice where there is injustice, that you will bring wholeness where there is now brokenness. We look forward to that day with grateful hearts, hearts that are at times heavy with what is going on around us, but at the same time with gratefulness that you are always there, that you will never leave us and never forsake us, and that you are working all things for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. Lord, we thank you that you walk with us through the challenges of life, that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, there are many things for which to thank you. And I pray that in our time together today as we dig into Psalm 100 and over the course of the next month, that we will grow in thanksgiving, of truly having a heart of gratitude in all circumstances as you command us to do. So to help us to see how we can do that and then help us to take your word and put it into practice in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at Psalm 100. It starts out saying, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, I want to start out, before we dig in further to the details of the passage, I want to look at the structure of this passage, because it's helpful for us to understand what's taking place here. Now, there is a part of Psalm 100 that I did not read, and it is the heading above the psalm. The heading says, A Psalm for Giving Thanks. The headings above the Psalms were added by the ancient Israelites to describe what was going on there. And Psalm 100 is called a psalm of grateful, or a psalm for giving thanks. This is the only psalm out of all 150 that has this particular title. And so we see that Psalm 100 is a great place to look if we want to learn about thanksgiving. Now, if we were to look at the rest of the structure of these five verses, we'll see that there are parallels taking place. The, the, the psalm starts out in verses 1 and 2 with a call to worship. And then you move on to verse 3. You see reasons 
to worship. And then in verse 4, you come back to another call to worship. In verse 5, you get more reasons to worship. So you have these parallel structures of calls to worship and reasons to worship. And all the worship is centered around giving God thanks and praise. And if we were looking here, one of the key things I want to highlight is that thanks living is radically God-centered. That is our main point that we're going to be looking at today, that thanks living is radically God-centered. You cannot escape the focus on God here in this passage. Let's look at the reasons to give God thanks and worship, first of all, beginning with verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his. Now, God made everything in this universe. But when he made this universe, he didn't just sit back after he made it as some sort of impersonal deity who just set it in motion and let it run, on, run its course. Instead, God has a personal care for each and every one of us. And this is why it says that, that we are, he made it is he who made us and we are his. It goes on to say that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This imagery of a sheep uh, and shepherd is very common in Scripture to describe the relationship between God and his people. It's because sheep need shepherding. Sheep need help. Sheep are relatively helpless on their own. They, they sometimes get lost. They, they are fairly defenseless against predators. They need help finding food and water. Sheep are certainly not the brightest animals in this world. And so they, they need a shepherd. When I was growing up, my grandparents had a bunch of sheep. And so I remember sheep and just how they do need help. I remember one time I was staying with my grandparents for a week in, in the middle of winter. And I was driving around their pasture. I was a couple hundred yards from the barn. And there, under a tree, is a solitary sheep. Laying down. Just sitting there. Now, my grandparents had miss, been missing a particular sheep for a couple of days. They couldn't figure out where it was. And here it was. It was still right in the sight of the barn. The rest of the sheep were safely in the barn. Um, but this sheep had, had gotten lost, wandered away. And even though it could see the barn, couldn't find its way home. It needed a farmer. It needed a shepherd to come rescue it and bring it back to safety. I remember other times where little lambs would be rejected by their mothers. Or where a lamb would have a mother who got sick or died. In that time, the rest of the sheep generally didn't care for that little lamb. It was up to the farmer, to the shepherd, to my grandpa to care for that little lamb. And I, I distinctly remember my grandpa feeding lambs with bottles. And at times, the lambs would end up in the house, in the kitchen, which my grandma always loved. Um, not really. But feeding that little lamb to nurture it. And that's the role of a shepherd, to protect the sheep, to nurture the sheep, to feed the sheep. And that is the type of role that God has in our lives. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You know, we face trials in our lives. We live in a world that is broken by sin. But we have a God who cares for us very deeply and who is sovereignly watching over everything is taking place. Now I want to move on to another reason for worship and thanksgiving, and that's over in verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now there's a little word that begins this verse, the word 
four. Four is a connecting word that ties it to what came before. So let's back up into verse four. It says, give thanks to him and praise his name for or because the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. So, so these are reasons given to us to thank God. He is loving. He is good. He is faithful. These are reasons to thank God. And so one of the things, if we're going to talk about living with thanks living, is we have to understand that thanks living is based on the recognition of who God is and what he does. That's the foundation on which the lifestyle of gratitude is based. It's based on the recognition of who God is and what he does. And if you were to try to come up with a summary for who God is and, and what he does, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better summary than verse 5 of Psalm 100. The Lord is good. That means that whatever happens in our lives, we can trust him. He is loving, meaning that even though we mess up, he will not reject us because his love endures forever. God is faithful. Even when things don't go the way that we want them to, he is always faithful. He will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. Now, if you are going to build a house, you probably know that to begin building a house, besides getting the plans, the first thing you do when you actually start construction is dig down and pour the foundation. Because you need a solid foundation in order to build a house. If you don't have a solid foundation, the house is going to have problems and falter at some point. Because the foundation is what it's built on. And if we want to build a life of thanks living, it starts with the foundation of recognizing who God is and what he does. Because without that type of foundation in our lives of recognizing who God is and what he does, we're going to be very shaky in terms of trying to live with gratitude in all circumstances. And this is why thanks living must be radically God-centered. Now, this does raise an interesting question of, can someone live a lifestyle of gratitude without acknowledging God? It's a key question to ask. Can you live a lifestyle of gratitude even without acknowledging God? Because there are many people out there who don't really acknowledge God that much or who blatantly reject him. Can they live a lifestyle of gratitude? Well, I think one thing to understand is that Christians don't have a monopoly on gratitude. Even the hardcore atheists can have thankful hearts. They can thank people for things that are going on. But there comes a limit to how the gratitude works if you don't acknowledge God in that process. One of the limits that you run up against if you don't acknowledge God is the question of who receives our gratitude? Who receives our gratitude? There's a magazine called World. It's a news magazine, kind of like Newsweek, but from a Christian perspective. And World Magazine has the editor-in-chief named Marvin Olasky. Marvin Olasky tells a story how a few years ago, he was spending a couple days with a well-known author who happens to be an atheist. And they were just talking about a wide variety of things. And at one point, this author was talking about a vacation that he had been on recently and how, how refreshing that vacation was. He was talking about it was on the ocean, just beautiful ocean. It was so peaceful, so serene, the beautiful scenery all around. And this author talked about how his heart was just filled with gratitude as he was on this vacation. And so Marvin Olasky, who's a Christian, said, let's, let's kind of push a little bit there on this idea of gratitude. So, so he asked, okay, you're feeling thankful during this vacation. That's great. 
Who are you thankful to? And that was a bit of a perplexing question for this author. And so Marvin Olasky decided, okay, let me offer some suggestions. Uh, do you feel like as you're thankful in your vacation, are, are you thankful to the people who bought your books to give you the, the wealth in order to go on vacation like this? Well, I mean, I'm thankful for them, but that's not really what I'm thankful um, about or thankful to on this vacation. Well, okay, maybe, maybe it's that you're thankful to your wife or to your parents. Author's like, well, I mean, I am thankful to them for many things, but, but my thankfulness had more to do with, with the ocean, with the beauty, and they don't really take credit for that. And so the conversation kind of ended that way where, where the author wasn't really able to figure out where is that gratitude expressed to. And if you don't have an object or a recipient of gratitude, the question is, is it truly gratitude? I mean, it can be warm feelings. It can be happiness. It can be peace. But if it's truly thanksgiving, it needs a recipient. And so the question is, if we don't acknowledge God, who does receive our thanks? It short-circuits the ability to live with gratitude in all circumstances. And you find, you know, many people are very happy to say, I'm thankful for, and then they list the various things they're thankful for. But many of those same people are reluctant to say, I'm thankful to, meaning I'm thankful to something. I mean, people can be thankful to friends, to family, but we also need to be thankful to God when we recognize who he is and what he does and because without God, thanks living basically becomes an optimistic perspective. It becomes um, just a positive outlook on life that falls short of ultimate gratitude for all things. So that's one, one shortcoming of trying to live a lifestyle of gratitude without acknowledging God. A second one that is related to it is, is this issue of how do you give thanks when circumstances are difficult? I mean, if they're just a little bit difficult, you can still find blessings for which to be thankful. But this world is hard. There are times when just you have thing after thing after thing that just come crashing down that they really make, make it hard at times even to go on or have hope. And in those times, if you don't have God to depend on and to turn to, all you have really is yourself and the people around you. You have to pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Try to keep bootstraps. Try to keep optimistic. Try to still be hopeful. But what is the basis for the optimism and hope if everything is crashing down around you? You end up coming up short. It's a very shaky foundation on which to build a lifestyle of gratitude if it's not a foundation of God. Because you think, I mean, if you push this to a logical conclusion and, and you know, so many bl earthly blessings are, are taken away by various hardships and tragedies in your life, there would come a point, if God is not the foundation, the odds are good your heart is no longer going to be thankful. Instead, it's going to become bitter or cold or hard or just kind of disillusioned and discouraged. God is the foundation makes the difference and whether or not we live this deep lifestyle of gratitude. So let's come back here now to Psalm 100 and this idea of how thanks living is radically God-centered. And that it's based on a recognition of who God is and what he does. And we have to see here in this passage as well that thanks living, thanks living deliberately responds to God with gratitude in all situations. And this is where it gets hard. 
Because it responds with gratitude in all situations. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Look with me back to Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Jumping ahead to verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. These are commands. This is not, okay, when things are going well, then have joy and then give thanks. Then worship God. No, these are commands that are to be lived out all the time. And it begs the question of how do we do that? Because life frequently is hard. I mean, I know that if we went around this room this morning, we would pretty much all have stories of things that are really hard. So how do we still give God thanks in the midst of all the hard challenges that we face in our lives? Well, we have to recognize that it is a choice on whether or not we have thanks and whether or not we have joy in our lives. It is a choice that is not based solely on circumstances. Let me show you a diagram that I think is very helpful. It's, I call it the fact-faith-feeling train. It's this diagram that shows, okay, the, the engine of this train are the facts of who God is and what God does. Faith represents the coal car, and the caboose of this train are the feelings. Now, you never see a caboose driving a train forward, do you? No, you don't. And so the analogy is that feelings should not be the basis for our faith or our view of what's going on or or, or our view of God. Instead, we should put our faith in the facts of who God is and what he does, and our feelings will follow. Because if we try to follow our feelings, if they're what dictate our relationship with God or our outlook on life, our life is going to be like this, up and down, just like our feelings go up and down depending on the circumstances. But when we are able to put our faith in the facts of who God is and what he does, it gives us that solid foundation on which to live our lives. That's how we can live lives of joy and live lives of gratitude even amidst the hardships because God never changes. He is always faithful. According to Psalm 100 verse 5, he is always good. He he is always loving. He is always faithful. He is always worthy of thanks and praise even through life's hardships. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we'd probably find that when we are most grateful and thankful are when circumstances are going well. I mean, just think about some examples of when do you give spontaneous thanks and and praise to God? Well, it it might be you're driving through a parking lot in the mall around Christmas time and, you know, it's just packed. But suddenly you see a spot right up there near the front and you're like, thank you, God. I've heard people pray for parking spots, and I've heard people thank God for parking spots. Or you have a test, whether it's at school or maybe a medical test, and you're kind of nervous about the outcome of it. But then you get the results, and the results are good. Thank you, God. Or you're driving down the road, and there's this really scary incident that happens. You're so close to a major car accident, but somehow you survive all right. And that's the time frequently of spontaneous gratitude to God. Thank you, God. Or the Packers win a big game. Now, years ago, I decided I'm not going to pray for the outcome of sporting events any longer. I used to when I was younger. I don't do, do that anymore. But still, it's tempting, if your team wins a big game, to thank God for it. Well, it does say thank God in all circumstances, doesn't it? Well, that would also mean thank God 
If you're going to thank them when they win, thank them when they lose. But that's another story. Um, the bottom line is that our temptation is to make our thankfulness more about us and our desires and our circumstances rather than being centered on God. Radically God-centered gratitude changes things. And that's what enables us to live with thanks living in all circumstances. When our focus is on God, what he does, and, and who he is, that's what gives us the foundation to give thanks even when things are hard. And when we live in this way, when we find ways to thank God, even in the midst of hardship, it, it will seem radical to the world around us. It, it will leave people wondering, how can you live that way? How does that work? That's, that's cool, but kind of different than what I normally see. I came across a story about a pastor back about 300 years ago named uh, Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry is still reasonably well-known in the Christian world because he wrote a very popular commentary on the Bible. But Matthew Henry, who was a pastor living in London, and one day he was robbed. It was a pretty, um, pretty confrontational robbery out in the street. And he was reflecting on it a little bit later. And listen to what he wrote in his journal as he reflected on that experience. He said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. And so you see that even in the circumstance, I mean, no one likes to be robbed, especially in a confrontational manner like that. But even in that type of circumstance, Matthew Henry was able to turn to God with gratitude. Not gratitude that he was robbed, but he still found ways to thank God and turn that experience around um, because he was so focused on God. And really, this, this asks the question of where is our heart directed? What does our heart uh, lean towards? Where does it turn? It comes back to the topic of worship, which is one of the underlying issues in Psalm 100. Worship is about where is our treasure? Where are, are we looking to for a sense of worth in our lives? Many times our hearts are pulled in directions other than God that we're worshiping we're ascribing worth to things other than God. And this is one of the things that creates problems that makes it hard to live with thanks living because we're putting so much value in things besides God. I love the way the author David Foster Wallace puts it. Um, he, he, he's not a Christian, uh, but he was speaking at a commencement ceremony back in 2005. He said, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And so in order to live with thanks living, it may be that we need to recalibrate 
our heart, to focus more on God and less on our circumstances. It might need be that we need a realignment because if our heart is, is consistently pulled in other directions, if we elevate the circumstances around us up on the pedestal, well, it makes sense. It's going to be hard to give God thanks in all circumstances. But if God is the one up on that pedestal, if he is the one that we are worshiping, if he is the one on which our lives are based, if he is the one to whom we look when we're going through trials in our life, then that lays the foundation for thanks living in all circumstances. And really this attitude of gratitude that, that, that's going throughout our lives, it's something that needs to be built over time. I mean, you think about children. Parents frequently have to remind children to say thank you. Tell them thank you. I mean, you hear it at Christmas time. You hear it all the time. It doesn't come naturally because we're naturally self-centered people. And it's the same for adults that we need to work to develop that, that heart of gratitude as well. But it starts with focusing on who God is and what he does. And then in all circumstances, turn that focus back to him. Because there are always reasons to give him thanks, even in the hardest of circumstances. And I'll say, I mean, for me, I don't stand up here as an expert having figured all this out. I mean, if you look at my emails for years, my, my conclusion right before I sign my name is thanks. It's just what I kind of settled on through the years. So I guess, I mean, thanks is a part of my life. But I'm kind of right here along with you, learning as we go. I mean, to me, it's refreshing to think about focusing our lives on God, living with thanks, living. Because this is how we are designed to live. This is a distinctive Christian way to live in this world of giving thanks to God in all circumstances. So it's going to be fun to go through the next few weeks to learn how to live these lifestyles of gratitude. Not only is it honoring God, but it's life-giving for us as well when we live with thanks living. Now, when we think about this topic of thanks living, one of the reasons that we always have to give God thanks is because of what he has done through Jesus. And today we are celebrating the Lord's Supper, which we frequently call communion. Now, some churches call communion Eucharist. And I think that term is helpful for us when we think about what we are doing here this morning with communion, because Eucharist literally means uh, the giving of thanks, the giving of of thanks. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, we celebrate it with thankful hearts as a way to give thanks back to God for what he has done for us through Jesus. Now, we're going to sing a song together to prepare our hearts, but as we sing the song and as we as we focus ourselves on Jesus' sacrifice, let's do it with thankful hearts. Because we were incredibly guilty with our sin. God has given us grace through Jesus, and then our response should be one of heartfelt gratitude because we did nothing to deserve his grace, but he gave it to us freely through Jesus. And that is part of the foundation on which to build a lifestyle of gratitude. So let me pray for us, and then we'll sing in preparation for communion. Our Father, we thank you that you are a giver of good gifts. And right now we remember the greatest gift of all, Jesus. That while we were at sinners, he came to this world to die for us, to pay the death penalty we deserve for our sins. We thank you for that gift, Lord. And we do want to say thank you. And, and we confess that we frequently do take your good gifts for granted. But this morning, please fill us with a heart of gratitude as we consider the guilt that we had for our sin, but also the grace that you've given us through Jesus. Fill us, Lord, 
with gratitude as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper.